Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. When it's time to party, we will party hard. show not just any sports show not this sports show but that sports show i'm your host jeremy the impact york this is impact media's weekly dive into the world of everything from football to rugby to practically anything we get into all kinds of stuff tonight we've got nascar we've got nfl we've got college football f1 the braves united and of course we've got the infamous impact picks they're pretty good in one of them not so good in the other we'll talk about that here shortly tons and tons to get into tonight we definitely appreciate you guys sticking with us this week we have had so much going on uh we look forward to getting back on a normal schedule next week even though it will not be a normal schedule next week at all but fun stuff going on especially in the nfl And what all is going on in the NFL? Well, let me tell you about some of the big stories as of right now. Well, before I do that, let me let you guys know that if you would like to contact the show, you can do so by emailing us, 3endzone at gmail.com. Of course, that is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. I answer and reply to every single one of them. I honestly do unless you guys write it to John or somebody, and then I will uh, pass it along to him and he can reply. Uh, If you want to find us on Facebook, Jeremy Jeremy York, Impact Media, That Sports Show, you can find us any of those fun places. Any of the places you would find a podcast, including Podcast One, Spotify, or the iTunes Store, if there's a place that you get a podcast that we are not at, please let us know, and we will change that very, very shortly. Also, if you want to find just the links to the shows, you can go to Twitter at Team Impact Media. We'll find all of those. If you would like to follow myself on and my random musings along with show notes and other fun videos and things, you can do so on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram at The Impact 99. Now, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, there have been some interesting injuries i would say uh and none bigger than the two we're about to talk about the dallas cowboys who 
were very unimpressive up until this point, have lost Dak Prescott for eight games. He has a fractured thumb. And while you, you may hold up your thumb, everybody hold up your thumb right now. As a thumbs up, hey, Fonzie, hey, how we doing? All right. For those of you who don't know who that is, look it up, then get back to me. Uh, hold your thumb up, not the top. Take your other, take a finger and trace down your thumb. You want to keep going, you want to keep going, and when you get towards almost to your wrist, that is where the fracture is in his throwing hand. He hit it on a helmet as he was coming forward on a pass, and this is devastating for the Cowboys. They already looked very unimpressive with him. You put in Cooper Rush, and it was pretty much all of the same. It just, it, it was, I mean, he was doing no worse than, than Dak was. We will see what they do play call-wise. Uh, their season is not over. Jerry seems to think he's that Dak's going to be out four weeks. Most people say six. I've heard a lot of medical doctors say closer to eight. We'll see what happens. It says eight games. We'll see how many he ends up missing. I bet it's somewhere between six and seven weeks. Uh, what does this do for the Cowboys? Well, definitely puts them behind the eight ball one weekend. They, I already had them picked to be at least second in their division. The Giants look a little stronger than I thought they were. Uh, Commanders about where they are. They're going to be battling it out for a playoff spot. And if Cooper Rush can win half the games, can keep them in it, then I think if Dak comes back and starts playing better than he was in game one, I feel like they have the opportunity. They were getting a little bit of run going with Pollard, and Zeke looked pretty good as well. And also, it seemed like even though he was throwing to uh, just a couple of his main receivers, we had a bunch of new guys in there, it just seemed like he couldn't find that continuity that he needed. Defense looked good. Micah Parsons definitely going to pick up the slack there, but Dallas missing Dak is going to be a big deal. I don't think they're going to go get anybody, so nobody get real excited about that. It would make a lot of sense for them to give up draft capital and money to get a temporary solution because you got to think. It'd be like a four- or five-week rental because whoever they get, Jimmy Garoppolo or, or you know Sam Darnold or any of those guys, they're going to give up draft capital, plus they're going to have to pay that salary. It's going to take them at least two weeks to get them up to par to be able to play. They're going to play for about four weeks, and then Dak will be back. So you're a one-month rental. It's pretty expensive. I don't see that happening. On the other side of it, T.J. Watt has damaged his pectoral muscle. Pretty sure it's the muscle. They thought at one point it was the tendon. They thought it was a full tear. Then it was a partial tear. Turns out he's going to miss about four to six weeks with what is a pectoral muscle tear. Um it's going to be pretty painful. It does not require surgery, and the sooner that the Pittsburgh Steelers can get T.J. Watt back on the field, the better. The defense is going to be the ones who helped carry this team this year, although their offense has not looked too bad, but they do have some big matchups coming up that they are going to need the leadership of T.J. Watt involved with that. So uh, two big injuries already out of the gate. It means a lot of shuffling, a lot of... Uh, maneuvering, a lot of people trying to figure out what they need to do. In order to stay in things, I mean, it's it's already early in the year, and yet, um, 
and yet people are already you know jockeying for these these big key positions. Let's talk a little bit of Atlanta Falcons before we get further into things. The Atlanta Falcons looked really great. Stop me when you've heard this. Looked really great in three quarters, particularly the second quarter, where they dropped 13 points on the Saints. Uh, you got to think about uh, they were down seven to three after one. They were up 16 to seven after two. They were up 23 to 10 after three. They lost 27-26. Uh, shout out to to Will Lutz, former Georgia State Panther and a fantastic all-around guy who did kick the game winner for the Saints. But Falcons fans, man, let me tell you, it looks really good. Cordell Patterson seems like he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, Mariota, having a mobile quarterback helps, especially when your line is not great. But in the matchup that was Winston versus Mariota, that they squared off in their first game ever, and now for them to face so many years later on different teams, um, just uh, it, it kind of kind of crazy. But let's look at Mariota. He was 20 for 33 for 215. I do not have a problem with that at all. Patterson had 22 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Seems like that's exactly where he left off. And uh, Drake London. Five receptions, 74 yards. Looks like the kid is pretty legit, if I do say so myself. Uh, Mariota actually rushed on 12 carries for 72 yards, and he had a score on that as well. That was the two touchdowns that they had. Um, also, Zacchaeus had four catches for 49 yards. And uh, Hodge actually picked up the slack a little bit. Kyle Pitts, too. But he's going to, until people start spreading around, he's he's going to be the one that's given the most attention. They don't want Pitts to beat him. Uh, you had the unfortunate fumbles by Mariota, Zacchaeus, and Evans. Uh, but defensively, man, this the, the pass rush early on of this Falcons team is ridiculously good they are getting at the quarterback early in fact they had four sacks today which is like gosh they had like 22 as a team last year they had four in one day half of it went to carter one and a half of it went to jarrett and of course uh a bit bit of tea is that how we say that ubiquity ubiquity I'm not sure how to say it, but the dude uh, was straight up balling and uh, did some some uh, great things as well. Of course, Grant was the tackle monster, and uh, Hawkins helped him out with that. I like the, like I said, I like the overall the overall effort by this defense. Uh, the cover guys were doing well. The middle linebackers were commanded in the middle of the field. They were given Winston Fitz. Yes, he brought them back 17 points in the fourth quarter and ended up winning, but it wasn't easy, and they dinged him up a good bit. They definitely dinged him up a good bit and uh, and made him earn it. Mariota did not turn over the ball through the air. And look, his, his fumble, things are going to happen. Uh... Told you about Koo. He was four for five on his field goals. He did miss one. 
But uh, as long as it was 54, hit both of his extra points. I don't see why you have a problem. Why anybody could have a problem there. Uh, Pinion is the punter this year. He had four punts for 180 yards. That is a 45 average, and he downed two of them in the 20. That's fantastic. I like the overall effort. Sometimes the ball bounces the other way, and I think that's what happened here. They had the chance to win and were not able to, not able to pull it off. But and you hate to lose to the Saints. They're your rival. You're gonna see them again, and that's it's kind of like being down one and a half instead of one game. But um, like I said, overall I like the effort. The the Falcons are a level up from where I thought they would be at this stage of the game especially with all the new faces and things like that. But this team's going to be fun, and I think you guys are going to definitely enjoy it. Uh, they do have the game coming up this week versus the Rams. That's a 4.05 game on Fox. The Rams are favored by 10. I actually, in a couple pick'em leagues I have, and I stand by this. Do you guys know if I say it on this show, then, then I stand by it. I think the Falcons have a chance to beat the Rams. The Rams did not look very impressive. I understand Buffalo is very good. But Falcons fans, you guys know I'm always straight up. I'm always truthful. I do not pick the Falcons a lot here recently. I think the Falcons are going to beat the Rams. I think it's 27-24, something like that. Um, if they score that much, it, it may be 20 to 17, but I didn't like the Rams offense. I didn't like the way things go. And I heard Jalen Ramsey is done for the year now. So I feel pretty good about the Falcons chances of winning on Sunday. Uh, we will get to the picks later on in the, later on in the show right now, let's talk. Uh, well, I want to throw in this news and note real quick. Uh, Roger Federer, after this upcoming tournament that he is is going to be in, it's one of the smaller tournaments, he has said he is going to officially hang up the racket. Uh, Federer is retiring, and uh, all I can say about this is he is one of the best of all time. He ends up with... I'm not sure how many... He says it's just time to end it. I mean, he's getting older. It's not that he can't do it anymore. Uh, he was a 20-time Grand Slam champion. He will play in the Labor Cup, which will be his final tournament. Uh, he, he's 41. He's had some knee operations here lately. Uh, but 20 Grand Slam titles. Five seasons, he was ranked number one at the end of the year. And uh, between him, Nadal, and Djokovic, had one of the best golden eras of tennis and I, for one, am glad that I got to see basically his whole career. Uh, straight quote from him, I quote, I am 41 years old. I have played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. He's been such a global ambassador. Uh, just... Just incredible. Uh, it's crazy that his 20 Grand Slams are actually third all-time behind Djokovic, who has 21, and Nadal, who has 22. But like I said, he's he's one of the faces of tennis. 
He's one of the good guys out there for sure. And uh, tennis is going to miss him, but uh, we wish him the best uh, moving forward. Thanks, Roger, for uh, entertaining us and making tennis fun. For it, He did for tennis what, you know, him and Serena do for tennis what Tiger does for golf. It takes the person who normally would not have any interest in it whatsoever and bring them into the game. So uh, just congratulations on that. Some NCAA news. Scott Frost got fired. Shocker, I know. Uh, I heard he was very well-liked at Nebraska. I heard he was um, a great recruiter. A lot of people liked him, but he was he had a he had like a a 350 winning percentage since being there. He was like 17 and and 34 or something like that. It was it was not good. And when Georgia Southern knocked him off over the weekend, that was pretty much the end of of things for him at Nebraska. I feel like he's going to end up somewhere else. Um, I don't know that Nebraska was the place that was a great fit for him. It, it was working out, but he'll land somewhere, and I look for him to take revenge on Georgia Southern as soon as he can. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little Braves. The Braves are off tonight, but the Mets are not. The Mets hold a one-game lead. As of right now, with the crunch time coming in, there is uh, only a handful of games left. There's only nineteen games to go. Uh, they will start. The Braves will start a three-game weekend series Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the Phillies coming up this weekend. And then they will host the Nationals for three games before uh, heading up to Philly uh, for some games and uh, also to Washington before starting with the Mets late at the end of the year, the next to the last series. We've talked about the big players. We've talked about the big moments. We've talked about what gave them a spark, what uh, things they could do to improve. At this point, it's just win games. You're a game back. Depending on what happens tonight, um, do we know what the Mets are doing tonight? It is currently. Oh, okay. The Mets have won tonight. It is seven to one. They win that, so uh, that is accurate to say that they are up by one game with 19 to go. It's been a fun race. I think it's going to continue to be a fun race. I think it comes down to that next to last series. I've been saying that almost all year. Uh, the Braves are the better team, I would say, on paper and possibly on the field. But the Mets are starting to find a magic between the camaraderie of this team. And that has allowed them to uh, stay up towards the top like this. It's uh, It's been a fun, fun race. And I look forward to seeing how it ends up because I still stick by that Atlanta and the New York Mets are both going to make the playoffs. And I stand by the fact that I would not want to face them because they are going to knock somebody uh, right in the mouth in, in the opening series. And we're probably going to see the two of them play later on. 
uh, probably second round of the playoffs. Atlanta United. They are, uh, they've, they've had all kinds of uh, interesting things happen. We've had Joseph Martinez get suspended. I think he is back now. Um, but in response to him getting suspended, uh, center back Parada, Juan Jose Parada, who has turned into one of my favorite players long before, he's kind of like, an LGP, and that's that's what I like about it. Uh, he nets a hat trick, which coming into this year, he only had like one or two career goals. Now he's got like five. He probably leads his team. Uh, but he nets a hat trick, gives the Atlanta United a 4-2 to win over the visitors Toronto FC. That was last Saturday. But uh, how incredible is that, that uh, Tiago Almada is heating up, Juan Jose Parada, Gets, gets three more goals. And they even played against Orlando and somehow found a way to get the 1-0 win in Orlando to keep their hopes alive. Tiago Almada with the lone goal in the 72nd minute. Let's look at the table, which is the soccer turns for standings. And right now they sit in ninth place. With uh, they are a game ahead. As far they have played one more game than a lot of people around them, but they are they are at thirty nine points. They are tied with number eight Miami. I think Miami holds a tiebreaker. They're only two points out of seventh, which is held by Columbus with forty one points, forty two and forty two respectively for Cincinnati and Orlando at 5th and 6th. So they're right there. They're right there. Uh, they have the game this Saturday at 3.30 as they will host the Philadelphia Union. And then they will go to New England to take on the Revolution in early October. And the second week of October is the final regular season game where they will host NYCFC. Those are not easy games at all. But I have faith in this team. Martinez is back. Uh, he he didn't have the world's best game versus Orlando. I don't know if he's trying to work himself off of this team or not, but all I know is he's a part of this team, and so I will cheer him until otherwise noted. But uh, good for Prada, good for Almada. Um this team continues to evolve and turn into just a, a crazy, you know, not even runaway train, just monster train going down the tracks. And uh, I feel good about their chances, but they have got to, I would say, if they can win two out of three, that's going to really help them put them in a great spot. It, they need to win at least one and draw the other two. I think uh, you're going to need at least that many points to get anywhere close. But uh, win would be key. Now, let's get into... No, let's talk a little NASCAR. Let's talk a little NASCAR before we get into picks. Uh, NASCAR just recently was in Kansas. It was round two, or the second race of round one of the playoffs. 
where you have the top 16 drivers who are all going for uh, points and wins automatically get you in. Well, we have not had a winner from the 16 yet. And in the past two weeks, Kevin Harvick has crashed early and had two of the worst weeks you could possibly have. Uh, just into the wall early. The only shot he has of advancing is to win this week at Bristol, which is not easy. This is how you pick a winner for Bristol if you're trying to figure it out on your own. Put everybody's name in a hat. Uh, I need you to take about half of them out randomly, throw them away. Doesn't matter what ones they are. I need you to pick a name, put that to the side. Pick another name, put that to the side. Pick another name, put that to the side. Pick a fourth name, see who that is. They're going to probably cause the big wreck that's going to take a lot of the field out. Pick a fifth name, that's going to be your winner of this race. Bristol is completely uh, bonkers. It is off the wall. It is a very short track. So a lot of times there's not a lot of movement, but the movement is usually caused by uh, some really, really big wrecks. So hopefully the main guy, uh, the main 16 can avoid those wrecks. Hopefully everybody can be safe going around. Here are your standings at the moment. Uh, your winner at case at Kansas, by the way, I can't gloss over this. Second career win for Bubba Wallace. As Denny Hamlin had uh, his owner, but uh, Denny could not catch Bubba at the end, and neither could Christopher Bell. That was a one, two, three there. Good for Bubba Wallace. Here's my take on Bubba Wallace. I think he is a great racer. I think he is starting to find a little bit of a groove. I think he is starting to really improve. It shows how hard it is in NASCAR to win, that he only has two wins. And I think he is a really, really good, laid-back, grounded individual. He is a great human who got caught up in some of the race stuff early because not, not race around the track as is in uh, uh, him being African-American and things like that. That uh, I think he got caught up in the middle of it of trying to be an ambassador when he was already an ambassador and a great racer and human, as I said. So I think now that he's settled in a little bit, he's getting a little more comfortable where he's at. I think Denny and Michael Jordan, his team owners, have, have done a lot to really help that. And what has helped him the most recently is they took him out of his number 23 car and put him in Kurt Busch's 45 car for the sake of owner points and things like that. And that setup has benefited him greatly. So congratulations to Bubba Wallace. Fantastic, fantastic performance. He dominated late in that race. It wasn't just he he lucked up and was the only guy left. No, he dominated the end of that race. And uh, like I said, Denny or Christopher Bell had nothing for him. They are in Bristol this week. I just told you it is a small track up in Tennessee where anything can happen and anything will happen. Here are your updated playoff standings as of right now. Christopher Bell is 58 points to the good. I'm just going to say 58 points. William Byron at 48, Denny Hamlin at 47, Joey Logano at 40, Ryan Blaney is 36, Alex Bowman at 30, Chase Elliott at 28, 27 for Kyle Larson. That's halfway through the field. Now we get into some interesting ones. Ross Chastain at 26. Let's pretty much take him out of this. 
Daniel Suarez is in 10th place with 6. Tyler Reddick and Austin Sendrick are in 11th and 12th at 2 points ahead of the line. Right now, currently, here would be the four drivers eliminated if it ended today. Kyle Busch at minus two, Austin Dillon at minus three. Those guys will be teammates. I'll talk about that in a second next year. Chase Briscoe at minus nine, and Kevin Harvick at minus 35. So Kevin's only way in is to win. Briscoe, Dillon, and Kyle Busch can still grind their way in. But the way it basically goes is there are. Uh, unless Kevin Harvick wins, there are six racers going for three spots. And that is Suarez, Reddick, and Cendric, who are in at the moment, and Bush, Dillon, and Briscoe, as I said, who are currently the ones out. It was announced on Tuesday that Kyle Bush will be Austin Dillon's teammate next year at RCR. Richard Childress Racing. He also, Kyle mentioned that Austin Dillon from the time it was it was uh, apparent that they might have a spot open, that he was one of the biggest recruiters, and a lot of the reason that Kyle decided to go with Richard Childress. A couple years ago, Childress and Bush had a little tangle in the pit area. Oh no, it was in the in the garage that involved headlocks and punches to the head and things like that. Seems like they've smoothed that over. And Richard Childress, in talking to Kyle and, and at the press conference, offered Brexton, that's little Kyle Bush, uh, Brexton Bush, the option when he is old enough to, and so inclined to do so, the option to race with Richard Childress. I thought that was fantastic. If we can offer middle, middle schoolers college scholarship op- offers, why can't we offer Brexton Bush, who is quite the uh, miniature racer? a uh, chance. So those six are really going for three spots because like I said, unless Kevin wins, he's going to be the one out. And it just, it's unfortunate because he's such a great racer and he just had one of the worst years you could. Um, I do feel like Kyle and maybe Austin Dillon are going to grind their way into it. I Maybe Reddick and Cindric will be the ones to get leapfrogged, but I, you just never know how things are going to go. Like I said, early wrecks could easily take people out. But uh, going into this, it's it's still wide open for uh, who could win the championship. Let's go to F1 because tons of things went on with F1. They were racing. At the Pirelli Italian Grand Prix, where no matter how far back he started, Max Verstappen found himself towards the the front. And as much as Charles Leclerc tried to catch him, uh, they traded first for a little while, and then Verstappen just, it's, it's his year. This is five races in a row. The weird thing about this race, it ended other under the yellow safety car, which, unlike NASCAR, there are two ways you can throw a yellow in F1. You can just throw the regular flag and everybody has to slow down to like a 40% capacity. Or you can have an actual physical safety car out there, which they had to do because of a wreck late on, late in the race that was uh, Daniel Ricciardo, who 
at one point they were trying to respond to the wrong car and sent the safety people to the wrong place. And since the safety people who were on right at Ricardo's car could not move his car any further off the any far further off the racetrack, they had to do the safety car to slow everybody down so that they could get over there and tow his car out. And in turn, the last six or seven laps of this race were under the yellow safety car. Angered a lot of people. You don't want to end under caution, but they did. And uh, it is what it is. The racers did want to give it a good shot, but hey, Verstappen wins five in a row. There's not much else you can say about that. Leclerc in, in second and George Russell, who has had a great second half, in third. Your uh, basically Verstappen within the next week or so, or within the next race or so, can lock up the championship long before we get to the end. Uh, he currently has 335 points. Charles Leclerc with 219. That's how big the gap is. Uh, Sergio Perez at 210. George Russell at 203. Uh, there's still some podiums they can go for here. You got Sainz with 187. Lewis Hamilton 168. And then there's a big drop off as uh, Lando Norris is uh, at 88, but uh, holding down the fort and doing some fantastic things. Constructor wise, you got Red Bull with 545. They pretty much run away with it too. Ferrari at 406, Mercedes at 371, uh, and then it's it's uh, Alpine 125, McLaren at 107, and then after that between Alfa Romeo at 52, Haas at 34, Alfa Tari at 33, Aston Martin with 25, and Williams holding down the fort, probably one of the most fun teams, but real scrappy. They have six, including including in his first race. With the, with the team, his first uh, overall race, you had Nick DeVries, who got ninth place and was able to get two more points per Williams as he sat in for trying to think. Let's see, Nicholas Satifi was there, so forgot. I forgot now. So many names. But uh, Nick DeVries, man, he is he is also one that could be up for a ride next year. There are some there are some that are coming up. Let me see if I can find that article I just saw right before we came on here. There it is. Uh, Alpine is going to test five different contenders for their 2023 seat. It's going to be Mick Schumacher, who is going to be out at Haas, it looks like, which is unfortunate to have a Schumacher out. Uh, Nick DeVries, as I just said, who did a uh, solid performance in his first race, get ninth place and a couple points. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, another young gun. Uh, another one as well, Colton Herta, who has done some things on the grid as well, and Jack Duhon. Those are the five they are looking at and uh, for the Alpine team. I don't think you could go wrong with, with any of those guys. Uh, I would favor DeVries a little bit, but uh, having Schumacher could definitely be a good thing. He showed some things this year. 
that uh, I think you could definitely build on. But they are off this week because they were initially going to be in Russia, and that got canceled, postponed, whatever it is, they're not going there. But next weekend, F1 is going to be in Singapore for the Marina Bay Circuit in Singapore. That will be uh, Sunday, October the 2nd at 8 a.m. The defending champion is Seb, otherwise known as Sebastian Vettel. Uh, F1 really heating up. I tell people, if you're into NASCAR and not into F1 yet, it is um, like less people. You only have 20 people to worry about unless they get sick and like Nick DeVries comes in. Only 10 teams, 20 people total, two per team. Uh, same amount of drama and chaos, sometimes more, especially uh, this guy's in this seat, this guy's out of this seat. Uh, it's just a, a carousel and a merry-go-round. Uh, just just spectacular things uh, for sure in that. Now, let's get into the picks. Let's get into my picks. Let's start with uh, let's start with college picks. Last week, I went a whopping two and three, thanks to some uh, late game heroics. I told you to take Vandy over number 23, Wake Forest. Yeah, that blew up in my face. Told you to take number 12, Florida, over number 22, Kentucky. And Kentucky proved me wrong. I also told you to take Arizona at home versus Mississippi State. Well, the Bulldogs smashed Arizona and my hopes for a uh, plus side on the picks. I did get Iowa State over Iowa. And I did get ten, number 24, Tennessee, over number 17, Pitt. It leads to the picks for this week in college. Number 12, BYU at number 25, Oregon. I tell you right now, BYU is going to wipe the floor with Oregon. It's going to look a lot like that Georgia game. And uh, I'm not sure what's going on with Oregon, but they have got to get their ducks in a row, for lack of a better way to put it, or they are uh, – probably going to be a four-win team. I think they're better than that, but they have got to start proving it. That is a 3.30 on Fox game. I say take BYU. Ole Miss, the Rebels, they are going to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 3.30 on ABC. I tell you right now, I set it on up with the white and gold earlier today when we recorded that. I think Georgia Tech is going to win this. I know Ole Miss is number 20. But I feel like these teams are very even with the talent level, the skill level, and the way they are playing right now. Give me the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets at Bobby Dodd Field to pull off the victory there. Number 22, Penn State at Auburn, 3.30 at CBS. There's a lot of 3.30 games this year, this week. Um, Penn State's been playing pretty good, but give me the Auburn Tigers to pull off the next upset of a top 25 team. Uh, it is nothing personal to Penn State. I feel like Auburn is just really getting some things rolling, and I think they're going to win this game. Number 13, Miami, at number 24, Texas A&M, 9 o'clock on ESPN. I know what you guys are thinking. Texas A&M has been up and down just like Oregon. They've been up and down like some of these other teams, and, and you don't know if you can trust them. I think you can trust them at home. Out there at College Station, I believe, is where they play. I think you could trust them and trust them enough to beat the Miami Hurricanes, even though uh, I think Miami is the better team. I feel like 
Texas A&M at home is going to do some pretty good things. I think you should take them. And then in my late game, you guys know I love late games. Uh, there's one later than the nine. At 11 o'clock on the Pac-12 network, Eastern Michigan is going to Arizona State to take on the Sun Devils. I will take Arizona State, who is like a 10-point favorite or something anyway. Um, but Arizona State's gonna going to win this. They're going to look really good in doing so. So to recap, take BYU over Oregon, Georgia Tech at home over Ole Miss, Auburn at home versus Penn State, Texas A&M at home versus Miami. Oh, it's just one road team. That's crazy. I'm the king of the road teams. And take Arizona State at home versus Eastern Michigan. Lastly, let's talk about my NFL picks. I did a little better in those. I told you to take Carolina at home over Cleveland. Well, outside of Cade York, no relation that I'm aware of. Hey, Uncle Cade. Or Cousin Cade, not sure. Um, outside of that, I, I would have been 5-0. and Cleveland, of course, wins that game. I told you to take Miami over New England. Miami crushed them. Dominated the entire game. I told you to take Buffalo over the Rams. The Rams have got, are falling apart. They have got to get some things rolling. But Buffalo just drowned them. I uh, told you to take the Commanders at home versus Jacksonville. Really good game. It went back and forth. Oh, Jacksonville was going to win for a good while. Washington figured it out. And they are about where I think they are. And then I told you to take the L.A. Chargers, who, spoiler alert, picked up a win earlier tonight. Uh, no, actually, they lost against Kansas City. Let me retrace that. Spoiler alert, Kansas City held on for the win. Just saw the score update. But the Chargers won last week versus the Raiders, who Derek Carr is about as bad as I've ever seen him look. That leads us to this week. One forward one last week, so maybe trust my NFL picks a little more than my college right now. But either way, uh, Washington at Detroit. I told you about the commanders. I think they look pretty good. Give me the surging Detroit Lions to win at home. It's a 1 o'clock Fox game uh, in your local market. We, yeah, we may get that game here. We're not sure what they're going to show. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans, 1 o'clock Fox game. Is that one? We can get one of those two. Uh, give me the New Orleans Saints at home. It's one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. It's one of the few. There's not many. Uh, but playing the Superdome down there with the Saints fans is not easy. And I think Tom Brady and I'm not sure which receivers are going to play this week. He's got five that have been reported injured throughout the week. So we will see which Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually show up. But I will take New Orleans at home for that one. The Miami Dolphins are going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I got the Ravens as probably the second or third best team in the league. Miami is doing good. Mike McDaniel has catered this offense to help Tua Tagovailoa, and he has looked pretty good. He is he has definitely looked good, especially with the added uh, running back depth and adding uh, Hill on the outside. It it definitely has helped. Uh, the Hawaiian native look a lot better. So maybe that's what he needed as a one, one o'clock CBS game. Give me the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to play. That would technically factor in, but I will not know till long after the show airs. So give me the Baltimore Ravens in that one. 
Houston Texans at the Denver Broncos. We just saw the Denver Broncos uh, come up a little short against Seattle. They looked pretty good in doing so. Houston looked pretty good as well. I will take the Texans on the road. 425 CBS game in that one. I will take them on the road to defeat Denver. It is going to be a weird, quirky game, but give me the Texans. And then lastly, Monday Night Football. This is the second game of Monday Night Football. It is a doubleheader. And the Minnesota Vikings are going to go to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Eagles look pretty good. The Eagles are definitely the top of the class in their division because the Cowboys are already falling apart. The Commanders are kind of treading water. And the Giants uh, are better than I thought they would be so far. But I don't think they're good enough to beat, to overtake Philly. And then you get Minnesota, who you can call it an upset. I wouldn't. I said they should probably be the favorites against Green Bay, and they uh, they wiped the floor with Aaron Rodgers and crew. Uh, give me Minnesota to win this game on the road as well against Philadelphia. Minnesota is going to be one of those strong teams at the NFC that you didn't see coming, and they're just going to have an incredible year and have a, a chance to really do some special things. Uh, to recap, take Detroit at home over. Washington, take New Orleans at home over Tampa Bay, take Baltimore at home over Miami, and take Houston on the road over Denver, Minnesota on the road over Philadelphia. Now, that's all we have for this week. Shout out to all you amazing people that uh, make it so much fun to come on here and talk um, all kinds of sports. It is uh, just a, a real thrill and real treasure and we appreciate you guys so much and next week we will basically have two shows posted a day because georgia state has a game on thursday that will require my attention uh, along with my new friday night gig so uh we will get two shows a day for the first three days next week hope you guys enjoy it but until then i'm jeremy the impact york this has been that sports show We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.